Hey, everybody. Jeremy National Fire Radio back for another episode on the audio platform. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I got another rock star with me. Everybody I get to interview is just people that I love talking to, and so I invite them back. And uh, you, sir, are definitely a gentleman that I have not had on the podcast yet, so I'm looking forward to getting you on the full-length video podcast to put your ugly mug on video. But we have had a few conversations that have been recorded and shared. But today, I got firefighter Eric Allen out of the Philadelphia Fire Department going on his 27th year, 20 years, over 20 years in special operations you're getting old, my friend. He's a member of the PA Task Force, the Pennsylvania Task Force. Um, travels all over the country for large-scale emergencies, as well as the inventor and co-owner of Fast Rescue Solutions, the home of the Fast Board. Eric, what's up, brother? Thank you, sir, man. I, I really I always appreciate talking to you. We always have great content, great talks. Uh, we're just going to have to sit down one night, man, just have like a, an all-nighter one time and just like, just rap, man. I'm, uh, I'm totally in you, you, You're just a great guy to sit down and talk to, man. So thanks Dude, for having me. You name it, I'm in. I don't care where it is. Let's do it somewhere preferably nice, you know, like I'm talking like sand in the toes, cold beers, I'm in. Eric, I've, uh, I have valued you from day one um, as somebody that I, I truly uh, think is changing the game in the American Fire Service in regards to not only the fast board and what you've been able to do with your company and the guys that you put out in the market to teach firefighter safety, survival, and removal, but also, man, you have this passion and you're a badass, excuse my language, motherfucker. And I mean that in the coolest of ways because I was so intimidated by, f- full disclosure, totally intimidated by you by the first time we met. I can't imagine why, man. You're, Be, you're twice the man as me. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> not a, yeah. I'm a little soft, right? I mean, you know, I'm I'm a little, uh, you know, a little inflated. But my point is, is you are very driven, and you are kind of a. I mean, you like that fun. Don't get me wrong, but you're kind of a no nonsense guy, and you're very driven, and you're very, very serious about what you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh... I was very lucky. Uh, I've been lucky on a lot of fronts. Uh, and, you know, luck is, uh, you know, for me, luck's cool and all that stuff. But, you know, I, one of my favorite sayings, uh, and I, I can't remember exactly who it's from. I think it might be Ben Franklin. Is like, the harder I work, the luckier I get. I love that. Um, and, and, I, and I live by that. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to work hard at everything I do for the rest of my life. I don't have to work hard to be lucky. Uh, but if you want to get things done, you have to work hard. You, if you want to, you want to build a company, you, you're going to have to work hard. If you're passionate about something, um, you're going to have to work hard at it. If you want to be out there in the culture and you want to change things, you want to make things better. I absolutely all day long. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Listen, and I believe that too, because the more, the harder you work, the more opportunities and doors that open and the more possibilities you have. I'd rather throw 20 balls in the air and catch four than throw three up and catch none. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So go ahead. um, Some people know this. A lot of people don't is that when I was young, I was, you know, borderline debilitatingly shy like really did did not did not talk to people was very very shy um did not have very many friends um but this um 
this made me this this business um, made me come out of that because I saw the value in the fast forward and in the training and in the knowledge that I was able to attain from all those people who came before me, all of those those guys who bathed their hands in blood um, that we learned from all these um, terrible accidents and terrible situations where people died and we learned lessons from and I learned from them. And to be able to give that back out, I had to step out of that. I had to you know, learn how to talk to people. I had to learn how to walk up to them. I had to learn how to be on camera. I had to learn how to do all these things. And uh, that was a really tough push for me, but I got over those things because I, it's so important to me. I, I mean, that's, God, how do, how do I unpack that? Holy shit. Like, so there's so much there because like the mission is greater than the individual and you believe in that then because you you pushed yourself to change to be able to deliver a better message absolutely yeah we we have to put ourselves aside for the betterment of what we do especially if we if we believe in it if you don't believe in it if it's just something you do to make money or to get some notoriety or this or that you're, you're only going to go so far. I mean, and those things are easy to, to pick out. You know, sure. if somebody just likes being on camera so that they look good or if they want to teach just so guys think that they're fucking shit hot. All right. Well, those things are, you, you can, you can have those things out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not for me, man. Uh, you know, I've had people ask me why, to, why didn't I make the fast board, the Allen board? Because it's not about me. And it should never be about me because eventually I'm going to go away. You know, I'm not going to be in this world anymore. And if it's making a difference, then it should be able to continue on. And that's what I want. You know, it's funny. That question would never dawn on me to ask you that question. Yep. And, I, and I mean that, no, but I mean that in the way that like, I, I know how much you have dedicated your time and energy and money and experience and everything that comes with that, your whole package. I know that you have dedicated all of it to the, to the betterment of our job. It's incredible, man. And it, and it should be praised. And I want to ask you this with, with all of that is where does this passion come from? Like when did you realize that like when you got into the fire service almost 27 years ago, Were you as passionate then as you are now? And if not, what got you to where you are today to be so passionate about the job and the importance of what we do? So, um, like, I can take this as far back as 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 we need to. But I was like, I was always the little kid in the neighborhood. So I always, you know, you either get pushed around or your work to be better than or stronger or faster or more dedicated or more crazy than everybody else, you know? Um, And I I think that had a lot to do with it for me is that um, I always hung out with the big kids. So I was always working to outdo them. And that was my youth. And then. Which required uh, you to work twice as hard. Put in more time, more blood, more sweat, more tears. And then uh, later in my educational career, uh, late in high school, I think it was 11th grade, I was diagnosed finally with dyslexia. 
Wow. Okay. And I had always been told by my teachers, well, you just don't work hard enough. You just don't, you, you just don't care. Yes. So, and what I was doing is I was working twice as hard because everything I read didn't make sense to me because it was jumbled up. Oh my gosh. So I, having to teach myself how to read things again and read things slower and come up with my own things. I, I was working hard at those things. Um, I recognize then, I, I can I can sympathize and recognize with that because my daughter, our oldest daughter, had dyslexia and or has and uh, she works so hard. I watch this daily struggle of her to try to compete and be on the same level as her peers. And it was I'll tell you, brother, God, it, it was as a parent. Huh, it was hard. It was so hard to watch. And uh, she's yeah. she's incredible, and and so are you. So I get it, man. I totally get it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I mean, um, and there's just so much better technology now. There's yes. so much better science now. There's so much better help now for kids. Uh, it just wasn't there, you know, back when I was in middle school. Like, um, you know, you were in special ed, and you were one of the special ed kids, and those types of things. Um, you know. So regardless, and then the other thing for me is uh, at a young age, at, a, at about 10 years old, or, um, I got involved in martial arts. Um, and then it was just, I was never good at sports. I'm, you know, physically fit now. I've been, you know, very physically fit throughout my life. But back then, you know, at 10 years old, being the smallest kid, I never felt that. Um, I got into martial arts, really resonated with me, um, have, would consider myself first a martial artist, the right. way I take on things is, as a martial artist. Uh, so technical, um, the, the way to do things has a pattern to them. There is a learned pattern. And um, if you've ever taken a class with me, that's how I, I teach. I teach that you know, hey, you do this and this happens. And when this happens, then you do this. And then when this happens, you do this. And if it varies from these things, then you go on to the next lesson and the next lesson and the next lesson. And you get as prepared as you possibly can for all those possibilities. Um, that in itself has allowed me to, to be a good teacher. You know, yeah. Starting at, at 10 years old, Sure. by the time I was 15, I was teaching classes. So I've taught for a long time. Being up in front of a crowd and teaching it was easy for me. Do you Being find do you find that do you find that the the struggles you had or the the situations you were in with with your dyslexia and always being the smaller kid on the on the playground or in school and so on that that tells me from the, from the way you're describing it I just envision that that set you on a course to always do better, be better, work harder. And that allowed you to excel in different areas because of that, because of the diversity that you faced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you haven't read this book and I'm going to name it a, it's called range, like, you know, a golf range. Yep. Or, yep. Yep. You know, a range. range. Uh, if you haven't read this book, it's a fascinating book for struggles. Okay. And, having the ability to go beyond and, and they interviewed and followed, you know, people who 
were child savants that were just incredible at what they did. Later in life, they dipped off. They failed more. They didn't get as good as the people, the children who had to work so hard at everything. Yeah. Um, Interesting. The ability, the ability to, or the, the gift of having to work through failure, the lessons lock in better. That's why I love, um, and I, I got this from um, Basil Ingram. Um, if you don't know him, yeah. look him up. He's a firefighter in Orlando. Uh, actually, he's a lieutenant, maybe a captain now. Um, he runs, uh, you know, One Bad Day, incredible RIT program that he has. Um, I was in a class listening to him, and he said, you know, training is controlled failure. And I grabbed onto that. I'm like, absolutely, man. You know, we need to have failure in our lives. You need to fail to know how to stand up. I couldn't agree more. Um, 100%. And, um, you know, I, I just, one of the things. yeah. And, and to parallel that, like something I was talking about the other day on one of my podcasts was very much this. Guys don't want to take ownership of their mistakes. And if you don't take ownership of your mistakes, you'll never learn from them because you're making excuses of why you failed or why you haven't been able to deliver on your promise. So when you fall down and you make an excuse, you'll never pick yourself back up and learn from your mistake because you don't believe in your own mind that you made the freaking mistake. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah man. That's, oh. that's something I, I, I teach my children. Yes, me yeah. too, man. I am so adamant about that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and people... I tell people this and they look at me a little strange. I knock my children down when they were young. I would knock them down in one way or another, even physically, I would like, you know, knock them down and they would look at me and I'd be like, get up. This is the time to learn to get up. You know, if you run into hard times, hard times don't define you. You define yourself by getting back up and keep continuing this is, to work. This is why you, you and I, yeah, we got to hang out for like a whole day because this is these are these conversations that I just fire me up because I am a hundred percent the same way. Growing up, my father, I learning to ski. You'd fall down, he'd ski down the slope and wait for you, and you'd sit there and cry and say, "I, I need help getting up. I need help getting up." And he just yells up, "He like, let's go. You're holding us up. Like, learn for yourself. Pick yourself up. Own it." No, that's I, right. I can that's right. I, I, I can pick you up. 100%. I can make sure you're okay. Or I can tell you how to stand up. Yes. Like, do this, do this, do this. Next time, you're, it's on you. Oh, I love it. Learn. I Learn it. it. Yes. Hell yeah. I love it. So, okay. So, take me down the road. So, growing up, getting into the fire service, right? Passion? No, it wasn't. Not at all. Um, <laughs> never, never thought about it as a as a kid. You know. So there's no family history. There's no family history. There's there's nope. Wow. Okay. Nope. No, my mother was a teacher her, her entire life. Uh, she was she did a lot of things, um, but mostly what I remember her. She was a high school teacher. She was a middle school teacher, a high school teacher, a college professor, uh, and then eventually owning her own business. My wow. dad. Um, worked his way up from being the gopher at an electronics, um, um, low voltage electrical company right. to being the vice president to owning his own company. Wow. Um, 
Hard workers. Yeah, hard workers. Yep. Both of them, you know, my dad, I believe, was out of a, a household of nine children, was the only one who went to college and graduated. Awesome. Um, so education was huge to both my mom and my dad. I was not a good student. <laughs> I was, uh, I pretty much almost got kicked out of school several times. Um, but no, the fire service was not what, what I looked at. Is that because school uh, was failing you back then, Eric? What's that? Was school failing you because they, they didn't know how to work with you or include you? So, or they, they, I don't perceive them as failing me. How could they fail me if they didn't have the answer? Well, okay, fair. Fair enough, sure. So sure. did they not know at the time? Did they not have the ability did they you know focus on other things yeah yeah they did but i'm not resentful of it no you right know? i i'm just because those things added to me that's They're, right makes you if bigger it, if stronger it's failure it, if it was a failure made me stronger yes made me made me better at what i was doing because i worked when when they didn't have the answers i went and found them i love it you know when they when they couldn't make it easy for me it was hard. And this and is all building. Yeah. This is building the foundation of who you've become. Right. Yeah. So I, so I love that they didn't have those answers for me. Yeah. I, because it makes me who I am. I work and I work hard and I overcome something or I don't. Um, but it's not because I sit to the side and go, well, nobody helped me. Yeah, because that's just not who that's just not who I am. Exactly, exactly. So, um, graduated high school, um, barely graduated high school. Uh, gave myself one year. Said if I don't have a good job, if I'm not in college, which I knew I was not going to be in, right? Uh, then I joined the military. Okay. Um, after one year, none of those things were really happening. So I joined the military and. Um, my first real taste of firefighting was in boot camp. I went in the U.S. Navy. Um, you have to go through. I mean, everybody in the Navy is a firefighter, right? Because if you're if you're out on the ship and there's a fire, you better know how to fucking fight fire. Um, so, got that in boot camp. Um, went through my uh, A school, my MOS. Um, Tried, uh, went into the SEALs program, uh, did not make it through it. Okay. Uh, just uh, could not handle, and I used to be really, really, you know, off about that. Uh, could not handle the cold, got hypothermia a bunch of times, got sent out to the fleet, no problem. Took me a long time to get over that. Yeah. Um, but once I got out into the fleet, I was on the USS Forestall. Okay. Um, once I got there, there was an opening at the Etsy firefighting uh, team. And that's when I got it, man. That's when the bug hit me. Those things, if you know the, if you know the history of the USS Forrestal, it was a huge fire on there. A lot yep. of guys died. Right. Um, so they were very, very serious about their firefighting. Uh, got on the team and loved it because there was no politics. You were good at your job. Or somebody was helping you be good at your job. Nice. You know, somebody was like making sure that you were going to be good at your job. And I was like, this is awesome. And, you know, 
a little bit of adrenaline junkie, you know, of course. this and that. Um, and once I got bit by the bug, man, I was like, this is what I'm doing when I leave the Navy. And luckily ended up in Philly, uh, decommissioning the USS Forrestal. Okay. And took the test um, with Philadelphia before I got out. Um, scored well enough. I knew I was going to get on. Um, ended up having to wait two years after getting out of the, the military to, to get on doing, you know, every shit job that was out there. Just biding your time, uh, man. Just biding my time. Yeah. You know, having a good time as a young man. Yeah, but of still um, got on the job and... What was uh, that? Just, what was that? For, so since you got bit by the bug and you were a, a fireman in the, in the Navy and then having to wait some time to get on the line, when you got that call from Philly, like what, I mean, was that like a game changing moment for you? Was that when you were like, it's, it's my time. It's time. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, um, it almost didn't happen. There was, you know, administrative stuff. There were hiring issues. I don't want to go into all that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Got on, uh, and you know, start time was eight o'clock in the morning. I was generally at the academy by six thirty. Oh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I I would get there, I would study, I would have breakfast there. Um, I wanted to see everybody walking in. I never wanted to have somebody watching me walk in. Um, it's freaking discipline, worked. man. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes, um, and. You know, the military gave me that. The martial arts gave me that. My childhood gave me that. Mm -hmm. But that was the thing. I I wanted to support everybody that I could. And I got that from the military and from my training um, from mean, the USS Forest Star. That's just the culmination uh, of everything that you went through. Every trial yeah. and tribulation, right, is, is set you yeah. up for where you want to be. And that's how – it's funny how life is, man, but – to me, I think life works its it works its way out for you, and if that's oh, yeah. where if that's where you belong, it's because of everything you've done to get there. One hundred percent. I mean, and you know, the universe is listening. Yes. You know, if you if you set your goal out there, you will. If you work towards it, there will be doors that are opening to you. If your goal is to have patience, you're going to have all these things that come up to test your patience. Yeah. If your goal is to be number one, you're going to have everybody that is on that goal also, they're, they're going to come test you. And you, you have to be very you know, mindful of those things. Um, and, and my goal was just to do the best that I could. Uh, and my goal was to um, support the organization as much as I could. And it, listen, it takes, it takes a special person to be able to have that ability to believe that, right? Like it's, I, you seem, I, I, I just, I, I'm really in awe of, of a lot of this conversation because like the, the discipline and the focus you have, it seems like you had that from, you know, obviously it was instilled in you as you grew up and went through everything, you know, that you dealt with in life. But like to be able to focus and understand and have that focus, man, I I'm super jealous of that. Like I'm sitting here in awe of it because, man, I still to this day, I'm scattered. 
you know? And it, no, but I mean that. But my brain, I mean, the way my brain works and the how, you know, I'm a very creative individual. So my brain spirals, you know what I mean? And it's like I can go from A to Q in literally three minutes or 30 seconds oh, yeah. because I can put it together so fast and understand how we want to get there. But to focus and then to execute, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're an executor, man. Like, you you really, you're a big vision, but you can narrow. It's it's really impressive. Really impressive to listen to. I mean that. You were, I, you were, I appreciate it, but you were at my office. Yeah. At, at, our, at our facility here. Yeah. Did, did, did you come into my office? Did you see the piles? Yeah. I, did, I mean, yeah. that's what it is. I have, I have piles of ideas. Yeah, but where's your um, where's your focus? One at a oh, time, yeah. right? Well, that's it. Oh, yeah. That's it. This this is definitely the focus. This this yeah. works. Yeah. Um, and continuing down that path, but it, it is a, it is a creative mindset. You yes. Know, if you're if you're not pushing your creativity to a level um, beyond yourself, if you're satisfied with hey, this works and this is the only thing I'm going to do, if you're not looking for how to do it better, then you're doomed to follow the same path. That's why, you know. With the fast board, it has morphed. It, yeah. When I see when I see that original piece that I made, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to to where it is now. I'm like, wow, what we have now is so different than what it was in the beginning. Because I I will not stop looking for ways to make it better. Because it's for us. Because it's for the culture. You know. Because you know. I love the guy standing next to me. I love the the girl standing next to me. I love the firefighter that I work with. I love the culture of what we do because we go out there and do it because nobody else is coming. Um, and I want to make that that culture as as safe and as efficient as I possibly can. And that deems that you know we always work towards it being better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I there's so much there. I, I agree with you. I agree with you so much on that. I want to talk about. So we kind of. I mean, we're going down the road of 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 you, and I, I love it. Like I wanna I wanna keep going, right? So, I mean, when you when you got into the fifth largest, right? I think you pointed out that Philly is the fifth largest fire department, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, fifth largest fire department in the country. It's a it's an all encompassing department, right? I mean, every potential for any type of work job position is there at your fingertips. No. Yeah, absolutely. And so coming up through, I have to think that, I mean, you know, 27, almost 27 years on 20 years in special ops, but you know, you had some real impressionable years. I'm sure that really helped mold and shape your discipline and love for the job. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's great things about being on a, a large department and there's limiting things about being on a large department. Uh, great things about it is we're asset rich. Uh, we've got a ton of people to throw at problems. Uh, you've got a good hazmat team. You've got a good re water rescue team. You've got a good um, you know, airport. You've got uh, a good special operations going on. There's there's tons of good things out there. There's great people to learn from. Yeah. And one of the things that that I did not have any real concept of uh, for a long, long time until I got into this business and started going out into the rest of the, the culture 
and seeing smaller departments and seeing other trainings that were going on is that large departments don't generally reach, in, in my experience, don't generally reach outside of themselves for training. Right. Um, and, I, and I think that's a very limited mindset. You know, why would I go somewhere else? I'm part of this big department. And uh, once I got out there and started doing these trainings, I started seeing other people doing stuff. And I was like, wow, these guys are really, really sharp. Like they've committed themselves to one, two, three, multiple di disciplines, and they're doing a lot more. They're doing, they're really delving down into it and in the way that I like to, to train. Um, and it was great. It was great to see that and to be able to take some of those classes and be able to just sit there and absorb it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's been really, really humbling to, to say that, you know, we should be out there cross pollinating is what I would call it. Yeah. No, it makes it makes sense, and I I see a lot with our social media and so on. You you can see the guys that are closed minded to other ways of the job because they just don't know any better. And you know, we'll post pictures, comments, videos, whatever. And like in the in the comments, you know, it's just you can you can tell the guys that are pigeonholed into the department that they've always been with, and and they haven't really stepped outside of that mold because they haven't needed to, and and at no fault to them, but lacking an understanding that, like, where you might be on the job with a four-, five-, six-man company, there might be a two-man company somewhere else in this country that are doing the same job you are, and they just have to do it differently. And, you know, and to have an appreciation for that, um, I think that's what's, like, really important, right, is to to really round yourself out in this business, in this industry. I don't, I don't know if industry or business, is the right name. I'm trying to find like the right term for that because like, I don't like calling it a business. I don't like calling it an industry, but it's just jargon. I don't, I don't know the fire service. I don't like that either, but you know what I'm saying? Like to, to be able to push yourself and to get out and to become a student, right? We talk about becoming a student of the game, student of the fire service, student of the, you know, I, but you got to get yourself out there and you got to see what's there because I promise you there's a lot more than what you know. Firefighting is local, but man, is it so much bigger than that. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why instead of, you know, with the company, instead of saying the brotherhood, I, I chose to say the tribe. Okay. Because a, tri a tribe is a, a group of people who have a common mindset and are truly interested in bringing each other up because if you're stronger we're stronger i don't care where you come from if you're part of the tribe if you're better we're better and that's every day every day if you're better if you're better at home if you're better with your family if you're better with your mental uh, abilities uh, you know if you're better on the department, if you're better as a firefighter, if you're better as a rope rescue guy, if you're better at anything that that we can cross pollinate for each other, we're better together. Oh my god, I love it. I oh my god, I talk about this. Oh no, you know what I don't do? I don't talk enough 
about my own like feelings about things because like I need to just start doing my own like podcast with no guests too. Cause like there is so <laughs> brother, there's so much here. Like I talk to my wife all the time. I said, if you're good and I'm good, we're good. But I said, if you're struggling and I'm good, I'll pick you up. I said, if I'm bad and you're bad, we're bad together. Right? Like it's, it's a, it's a partnership of 50, 50, 70, 30, 60, 40. It's never, it's never even, it's never 50, 50. It's always give or take, but you personally have to be good. If you're good in your own, then you're good to the whole. But if you're not good in your personal spot, whatever you're contributing to outside of yourself will never be good. Yep. And that goes into some <laughs> mindset that, that, that I've been really mulling over for a while. Um, and there's this, this huge push out there and I understand it and I support it of for them. Like we do it for them. Yeah, it's a nice term. And, and trust me, I get it. I understand that we came on, we signed on to this job. We agree that we did it to go out and, you know, protect our society and serve and all of that. But we have to support ourselves first to be able to support anyone else. Well, I, and I think if, there's, if, go ahead, go if ahead. We're not, if we're not good, if we're not good as, a, as an individual, if we're not good as a team, if we're not good as a, a culture, if we're not good as a tribe, how can we support the mission? Yeah. You and, can't. Right. And, and I, I would agree with you on that. And I think there's, I think that for them, right. Quote unquote for them, I, there's a, there's a lot, there's a, there's so much that funnels into just two words. And I think what you're talking about is being for them, but we have to be for ourselves first to ensure that physically, mentally, training, all of it is there and active so that we can be there, quote unquote, for them, right? The other, the other aspect of for them, though, is like putting your life in a dangerous or precarious position to make a difference in saving somebody that you're committed to saving. And there's, there's also this, I don't want to say counterculture, but there's this culture also where we almost have to remind, like, I, I feel like we're trying to convince ourselves these days that like, we're there for them. Meaning like you have to put yourself in harm's way or potentially lay your life down or, or have physical injury in order to protect and serve the people you sworn. So I, I think there's a lot there. No, Eric, I like, I, I think it's a, a very large conversation that's being tried to be simplified in a two word, you know, uh, popular saying these days. Absolutely. I agree with 100%. It, it is a big pop conversation and it should be a big conversation yeah and it should be inclusive to everybody's thoughts on that because just like what i said and like what you said those you know that's a that is a huge conversation there's so many different layers there. yes and and you know i i'm all about for them you know i i'm i will put myself into whatever risk that I need to, to functionally be able to save someone. If somebody's not savable, should I risk me or my team? 
No, it's it's about education. It's yes, about understanding. Right. That's part of the equation, of right? Absolutely. That's part of the equation. Yeah. So we have to be good first. We have to be educated first. We have to be physically fit. We have to be mentally fit. We have to have all of these things for ourselves first to be able to be functionally doing everything that we can for them. Yes. And 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 that's why we do it. We do all of these things for ourselves as a tribe. I do everything for the guy next to me or the girl next to me first so I can do so much more for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Agree. Uh, wholeheartedly agree. And I, I just, I, I think that it's uh, the popularity of a, of a, uh, you know, a phrase or a, a few words put together uh, takes on a meaning of itself. And as it gets pushed and promoted, it can fit any agenda you want it to. And I think that that is really what this for them. Cause to be honest with you, Eric, outside of like what, four or five years ago, I don't think I, there was never even that conversation. It was just an understanding, right? Yeah. Like it was just an understanding that, you know, like this is, this is what you do. I mean, it, and now it's like, we're, we're trying to remind ourselves that, or, or convince each other or, uh, or paint, you know, we have to paint a picture of today that says, well, this is, this is what the job actually is. You know, that's, that's a little terrifying for me, but it's also the way it works. It's the way you evolve. And we have to though, have people like yourselves be willing to talk about that, but really break it down so that it's, it's not just a, uh, a, a simple summary of what that really means. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Nope. It should be a big conversation. And I'm not going to let you get off. I know you're, 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 we're at that time frame. No, 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 no. Listen, no, we, listen, this, I already, I already buckled in. This is going to be a two hour podcast. I already know. I already know. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to stop this conversation at all. I just want to, I was trying to just start steering it to a different direction because I want to know more. I want to learn more about you. Um, and I'm really just enjoying this. So no, we're not going anywhere, brother. I got to go. Okay, good. I got to go to dinner at, I got to go to dinner at five 45. I got to be ready to leave the house at five 45 to go out to dinner with my wife and some friends that we haven't seen in a while. But other than that, brother, I'm here. I'm committed. So let's roll. What I want to know is a little bit about you. Uh Oh, I want to know how you got started. This isn't, this isn't how this works. You know that. Yeah, no, no, it is. It is how it works. I, uh, so, yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah, that's a fun story. Um, grew up in the fire service, uh, a couple generations in, loved the firehouse, chased the fire trucks on my bike when I was a kid, you know, that whole thing, and I just absolutely fell in love with them. I played with my Legos. I played with my Playmobil trucks. I played with my matchboxes, and everything was about going to fires, proper positioning, uh, you know, taping batteries to the back of my GI Joe guys for SCBA. Like this is shit that I was doing at like eight, 10 years old. No joke. Right. I was enamored with the fire service. I loved everything about it. Um, and so I grew up like that. And, uh, you know, my father, my father was a volunteer fireman. My two brothers are volunteer firemen. I'm a volunteer fireman. My uncle's a career fireman. I mean, it, it's, it, it, you know, runs through the family. So we grew up, in the firehouse, but it was different back then compared to like what I, what I see now. And I don't mean that bad. Let me break that down is when I was a kid, I didn't, 
there were like rules. Like I couldn't jump on a truck with my dad. I couldn't ride in the chief's vehicle with my father. Like if there was a parade, like you sat and waved at the trucks, you didn't get a chance to be on the trucks. And what the reason why I bring all that up is growing up like that in the fire service, I appreciated when I turned 18 and could put my, put my application in. I didn't take a single thing for granted. Because I wanted to for so long to ride on those trucks and become one of those guys. And I didn't, as a kid, get any special, uh, any anything special. Like, I didn't, there wasn't this level of um, zero entitlement growing up, right? Like, you worked for what you had. We talked about that earlier, right? And so, like, my father really painted a picture of the fire service to us that it was something of great importance serving your community the civic pride and love for the community. And, and through that comes no expectation of, of return for yourself. And, you know, and, and I think like shit, as I'm talking about this, right. I never really talked about it in this way. So I'm so glad I'm doing this right now because I never, I never, I'm literally sitting here like crafting this whole conversation in my head right now that I've never really said out loud before. But because he limited my exposure to the firehouse, it made me want it more. And I look at my kids, like my kids are amazing. And I don't know if my two older kids, they're my stepkids, but they've been mine. They're, they're in their uh, late 20s now, but they've been mine since they were five and six. So they're my kids. Like there's no distinction, but they didn't have any interest in the fire service. Um, my two daughters uh, that I have with, with Terry now that are my biological kids. So I have four kids total. Two are home, two are gone. They, they moved out already. Um, and the two that are home, Paige and Lily, Paige is going to be 16. Lily's going to be four, uh, Lily's 14. She'll be 15 in February. So I have a freshman and sophomore in high school. 16, we now have a junior program. And if they wanted to join, I would absolutely welcome them to do that. Um, but they also know how important it is to me and how important it is that if they're going to commit, they have to commit. And so I'm curious to see how it plays out. For me, growing up, as soon as I could commit, I committed because I wanted it for so long. And my father kept me at arm's length. Whereas my kids now come to the firehouse, they joke with the guys. The guys all know them. They go to the school for fire calls and they see my kids and they're all laughing. And my kids get the ride on the trucks. I mean, I've, I've taken them on calls. They've ridden the parade. So, like, I'm giving them more of a... Uh, more of an exposure to it than I was when I was a kid. Now, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but, you know, I wanted to give them and have them on. It was important for me, and I think there's some variation here too, and I'm sorry I'm kind of like all over the place with this conversation, but I'm really, this is the first time I'm really ever talking about this. For me, growing up, my father ran out of the house 150 times a year. I, you know, in, in now for me in my volunteer house, uh, we're do, we're upwards of six, 700 runs. I'm out all the time or, you know, overnight going to fires, wrecks, alarms, all the bullshit. Right. So <clears throat> I'm away more. So I want them to see and appreciate what I'm doing so that they understand that my time away from them is time well spent. And so I like to expose them and I want them to be a part of the fabric of the volunteer fire service and a part of the firehouse. So that's important to me, but I wonder I wonder if I don't think Paige will join, and I don't mean that in in any 
regard to her. I just don't know if it's something she desires. Lily's made comments about it once or twice that she might be interested in another year and a half or so. But like, she also knows that I'm going to hold her to this expectation that she's going to deliver on. And it's not just a part-time hobby. This is, if you want in, you're in. And, um, and so on. I just hope that exposing them as much as I have, that they don't feel any sense of entitlement when they come in the door. And that, yeah. that to me is something that's, that I, I weigh in my brain. And now that you put me on the spot with this, this is like a, a <laughs> this is something I got to explore in my own head. Yeah. I mean, it's big, you know, I, what we do, what we do is important. Oh my um, God. It is. And that's Eric. I'll tell you from day one, man, when we started this project, you know, I didn't know where this thing was going to go. And I had, I had every hopes that it would reach people and make an impact because I just, I felt that I could do that, you know? Um, and, and with that, it comes the responsibility of, of selling this message that, you know, it doesn't matter where you're a fireman, firefighter, man, woman, doesn't matter. What it comes down to is volunteer career. It's the same fucking job. And guys are dying. Women are dying. We're, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We're going to work. It doesn't matter what your shirt looks like, where you sleep at night. It doesn't matter. And that was important for me with National Fire Radio to get that message across that ultimately the job is the job. And when we talk about the job on our show, it is career volunteer doesn't matter. And anybody that takes offense to that can go pound. I don't give a shit. Like it, it doesn't, I'm not going to get in a debate over one or the other. I'm not going to do that because at the end of the day, there are, there are scales in both. <laughs> there are all stars in both. And, uh, and I've seen it all. And so, uh, you know, it's important that we talk about the job. We share the love for the job because anytime we talk about the job it makes the job better. I've traveled all around the country. I've traveled around the world. Um, you know, firemen, firewomen, yeah. however you want to say it, firefighters. Sure. They are a very specific breed of people. Uh, I've seen that breed in the military. Um, I've had some really um, great experiences doing some training in the military and then out of the military as a contractor. Um, working with the fire service, these are people who really care about what they do. They care about doing a good job. Um, I have very rarely met people who are interested in, you know, glorifying themselves in one way or the other. Um, really it's about service. It's about, um, doing a good job, you know, being around like-minded people. Uh, understanding that what we do is greater than ourselves. So we don't, you know, bolster ourselves yeah, by and, doing it. And we, listen, we, man, like, you know, ultimately like this, 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 the fire service is built from guys that are just, I mean, there's a lot of egos and there, there's a lot of alphas and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Bravado is okay. As long as it's controlled yeah. and, and, and done accordingly. Right. Like, and so there's nothing wrong with that. And, and, uh, and I just like there, listen, there's been plenty of times where, you know, people are like, man, that guy's got an ego. And I'm like, no, I don't have an ego. Maybe I got an ego, but I believe in what I'm saying. I can follow through on what I'm talking about. I can follow through on what I tell you I'm going to do. You know what I mean? There's, there's a big difference there. 
Yeah, and you have to have a level of arrogance. Yes. You do. Um, especially for what you're doing for, and I'll say it, you know, uh, for what I'm doing. If you're going out there in the world and you're saying uh, what you're doing, you're, you're getting out there, you're talking about so many different things and so many different levels. You have to be able to stand up and say, I can deliver this. Uh, for me, it's the same thing. You know, I've got a product and I understand that I've got a product um, and I have to stand up in front of people and go, hey, I'm not telling you I think this is a better way to maybe kind of do something. No, I have to stand up there and go, this is better than what you've got. Yes. I will show you that it's better than what you've got. I will put it up against anything else that you have. And I have to do that with a level of, to, to stand up and do that, you have to have some arrogance. Well, and confidence, some, right? It's and, a, it's confidence. Absolutely. It because if you're, you're teaching an important message about firefighter safety and removal and you're, you're teaching hands-on, right? And, and you're showing off what you've learned over your, or over your time and so on, you can't waver on that. If you don't no. deliver a, a firm message with packed in with some arrogance, cockiness, and also confidence, but followed up by experience. If you yeah. waver on and, that, and, they're not going to, they're not buying in. No. And, and what we always try to do is look, you can believe whatever you want to. You can think however you want to. Let me show you some value. And, and if you don't see value, don't go with what I'm saying. hundred percent. All and that, And that's the only thing that like, all the guys who come in and help me, all the, the sales reps, all the instructors, that is the biggest thing for me is like, we don't sell anything. All we do is show value and give value. And if it's not the value somebody's looking for, don't purchase, don't invest in what we're doing. Yeah. But if you see value, it's because we're offering value. This is this is a huge mind shift versus what traditionally is done or how you sell or you launch a product. Like what I love for you, it's absolutely mission first, value first, product second. And yeah, when I absolutely. and I do I do a lot of marketing projects with manufacturers in the fire service. A lot of people don't know outside of the social media and the podcast and all that. We actually do like marketing work on the back end working with manufacturers and and educating their marketing people and add people how to sell and communicate and educate the backstep firefighter. And and so part of that is when I get involved in projects, I go the easiest way to sell is not to sell. We need to educate. You need to talk to people, you need to build community, you need to bring value. If your product, whatever it is, a bottle opener, a car tire to a, a hamburger, if your product is good and you bring value around it, people will come. And there are so many people that are threatened by that because it takes more work. It's easier to just put out a product and say, buy this product because it will save your life. But you don't do any of the other things that need to come first, which is, you know, culture, branding, value. Uh, education. I mean, these are an educated consumer is the best consumer. The problem is with an educated consumer, the more you educate them, the more they see trouble with typically the product you're trying to pitch. <laughs> so, so a lot of manufacturers don't want to educate as much, uh, put education as the primary function of their company because they're scared of it. 
You, on the other hand, and I've seen it firsthand. We've done a lot of projects together, and this isn't blowing smoke. This is just reality, right? It, it, at the end of the day, when I watch you guys teach and educate, it comes from a place of passion and experience, which then educates the customer about the mission of who you are, what Fast Rescue Solution stands for, and I think all of that as a package is just very powerful. Oh, man, thank you so much. Yeah, hell yeah. My thing is, you know, and this this comes from my business partner, Sam. Um, Nobody likes to be sold on anything. Right. But but everybody needs to buy. You, you need to buy things. But nobody wants to be sold on anything. I mean, if you can go in there, if, if you've got a sales pitch, people, in, especially in the fire service, you go into, if, if you don't live the culture and you go in to, to like, you know, show props or bolster a, a, a product or whatever, they're going to pick up on it right away. 100%. If you, go in, if you go in and you're like, hey, I'm part of your culture and let me show you the value of this and then we can go from there, um, they, they pick up on that also. You know, so- hey, man. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get down on the floor with you, and I'm gonna drag this thing around, and we're gonna put out some sweat and some effort and everything else together. And you're either gonna see it or you don't. And if you don't, great. Uh, tell what, me what 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 I missed. One of because you okay. might have a better idea than I did. That's right. And you're and you're humble enough to listen. You're humble enough to learn oh. from them if it's something you haven't seen or done before. I love that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love to learn. I will tell I, you. I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, go. No, no. I, I love to learn. I, I love when I get questions from people. I love good questions. I love bad questions. I love the same question over and over again because for me, it's why. If you can't ask why, well, then I explained everything too much. I should, you should be asking why. Um, and so many people are really put off on the question of why. You know, nope. You, the if people. You're not getting why. And if you can't answer why, then you don't know your business. That's oh my god! That's what I was just going to say. The people that are afraid of why are the ones that are intimidated because they don't have the answer. That's it. If you have the answer, it's easy. Yep, one hundred percent. I've never. I I always hated that when to to say that to my children, and and I and I've said it because I need. We've all been there, brother. Yeah, we all been there. We all (laughs) been there. You know. Because I said so. Right. That, that's a ter- that's a terrible hundred percent anything. Right. But you know, sometimes you have to do that with children. But in what we do, it's not because I said so. You need to have the answer of why. You know. You know. It, go ahead. An educated firefighter is so much better yes. than a a disciplined or a, I, I, I'm losing the word. Um, a, a subservient firefighter. Mm-hmm. If you're only going to do it because I'm Eric Allen and I told you to do it, then, then you're an idiot. Oh my God. This, you this... need to know why. You, you should. You should embrace why. Yes, and the problem is, though, is weak and feeble leaders can't give the answer. And as people ask why more and more today, because they want to know that the way people learn today is different than how they learned 20 years ago. And so the question of why pops up a hell of a lot more in the fire ground, in the firehouse, on the training ground and everywhere in between. And when we can't give answers and then we go, you know, you got to stop asking why. 
You got to stop asking questions and just start listening. But you're not delivering the message the way they need to hear it. And that's why they're asking why. Take that second and educate. But the problem is weak and feeble leaders can't say why because they don't fucking know. They haven't done it. They haven't been there. And they're not humble enough to say, I don't know, but let me find out for you. I don't know. And when we have people in positions of authority and making policies and procedures and guidelines, and they haven't been there and been able to do it, and when people challenge it, they become threatened, it's because they don't know. And that is that is something that's plaguing not just the American Fire Service, but life, society in general. Absolutely, 100%. Um, if you don't have those answers, um, if you can't embrace that, then it's exactly what you're saying is, is they're, they're feeble leaders. Um, and we got to upset about got a lot of them. Yeah. If, if you're getting upset about that, it just, and really what it is, is the, for me, and this is my embracing it is the only consistent thing is change. Yes. So if you don't keep up with the times, if you don't get, keep up with the change of, every day if you don't if you look at the use of today and you're like well we we weren't like that so why are they like that this because you're not able to change you got to stay relevant i just talked about that on my last podcast got to stay relevant you got you got to stay relevant and you have to be able to bring them into your mindset yes and if you can't do that then maybe it's it might not be because you're a bad person or you're this or you're that or whatever. Maybe it's that you need to learn how to teach differently. Yeah. Hey, 20 years ago, you didn't teach the way you teach now. If you want to deliver the message that you delivered 20 years ago, you have to change the way you deliver it. Yes. And you have to be more educated. Yeah, two two things on this, right, Eric? Just uh, while because my brain's been spinning, man, and uh, and I, I don't want to I want to want to take up your time, but two things. I, I was in Texas. I had this kid raise his hand after I did a round table at this place. Probably 150 people in it. This young kid stands up and he's like, "Hey, he's like, I got a question." We we're doing like open floor, and the kid's like, "I got a question." I said, "Yeah, man, go ahead." And we had a uh, a panel of like four experienced guys that travel the circuit. I was doing like the moderation for it, right? So the kid raises his hand. He's like, hey, I got a question. He's like, I'm in a fire district down here in Texas that's growing leaps and bounds. I think we added five stations this year. Next year, we're growing another like two, three stations. He's like, I got four years on and I'm going to be the next officer. I'm the senior man right now and I'm going to be the next officer of this new company they're opening up. He's like, I'm getting promoted. He's like, I'm not ready for that position. I don't know what to do. And this kid was humble enough to stand up in front of his peers and admit he wasn't ready for the job. And I will tell you, I stood back and I said, first off, brother, I said, thank you. I said, thank you for having the courage to stand up here and say something like that because there's probably 10 more people in this crowd that feel the same way, but they don't have the balls to stand up and say that in front of their peers. And I said, two, that means we created a good place here that you're willing to talk about that. And three, now you're going to pick the brains of these four rock stars up front. And I said, and we're going to get you some great answers or at least some ways to combat that. But that kid had the courage to talk about that. And the thing is, is that it's basically back to the concept of asking why. He needs guidance. He needs help. He didn't know where to turn. He's being thrusted into a position that he can't control. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the position you're you're being put in that position, whether you want it or not. 
you can do your best and there's a lot of things that you can do to better yourself. But the one thing you can't do and the, and the message that was sold across the table was don't embellish what you know, who you know, or how you can do it. You know, be an open book and be honest with your people. Lead. Leaders don't have to have every single answer, but they know where to get the answer. And I said, you know, so that was a really interesting conversation. The other one, too, that I thoroughly enjoy is what I do. I love when people think I'm a complete asshole, right? So from, no, I do. I absolutely do. I know, I'm right there with you. And so many people, but so many people think that I'm this loudmouth, pompous douche that like goes around talking about fire trucks and doing these spin-off videos on apparatus innovations. Like I do it because it's spoofy and fun, but we're we're educating along the way, right? And there's there's a lot of times that I go into firehouses and and there's a group of guys that are like, hey Jeremy, what's up, man? Blah blah blah. Have a great conversation. And then there's that group of guys, typically the older guys, that might not know who I am, which is fine. Or there's a, a group of the cool kids that are like, fuck that guy, that fat fuck. Like, you know, this guy's all over Instagram. He's like, you know, and I love those guys because all I do is embrace everyone. And I love including people in the conversation. And a lot of times I go to these firehouses. I talk with the guys that know me. We're on the apparatus floor. Next thing you know, we're, we're 20 minutes in on a kick-ass conversation just about the job, how they do it. I love to ask questions. I love to learn how individual companies and departments operate, how they do it, what they look like, what the makeup, all that stuff. I love talking about the job. And next thing you know, all those guys that are in the cool kids club that like, you know, bad talk me, you know, and, and have chat groups and shit. You see this asshole this week, like look what he put up. They all still filtering over one by one. And I love it. And before you know it, another 20 minutes later, those guys are active in the conversation. And at the end, when I go to leave and I shake everybody's hand and I tell them, thank you for your time, I change their impression. And I do that because I'm a stand-up guy who talks about what I talk about. And what I talk about is what I know. And you have to be able to let your guard down and have conversation with people so that they see that you're a person. And we all have faults and we all don't have all the answers. But at the end of the day, man, it comes down to just being genuine and authentic. And for me, that's what I love. And I love the senior guys that come around. And 20 minutes later, the senior guys that don't know who I am come over because they've been listening. They circle. They come around. They're in like this holding pattern around the circle that we're talking in. And next thing you know, he'll, he'll yell something out from the background. Then he'll yell something else out. And then I'll be like, hey, Joe, why don't you come over here and tell us about that? And next thing you know, that senior guy's in the middle of that circle telling stories. And all these young kids that are standing around going, I never heard that story before. I didn't know that. That's what I do, and I love doing that. I love facilitating the conversation and getting people involved and putting people together. It is so important for me, but you have to be able to do that in a way that you become more vulnerable yourself. I put myself out there for ridicule, and I also put myself out there for making the job better. And frankly, like— I tell you, you, Jimmy, that— uh, not to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, go, go, go. I, I, I don't want to miss this is that that's one of the reasons why I came over and talked to you and in, in the very beginning. It wasn't because you had this podcast. It wasn't because of this or that or whatever. It was because face-to-face when we started, you know, when I was listening to you from the side, Yeah, I was like, this guy's at least genuine. Thank you. He's he's putting out some some good content, and then the more that we were in the same area, circles, groups, yeah, 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 yeah. or whatever, and I was listening to what you're saying. I mean, yes, are you loud? Do you talk a lot? (laughs) Yes, yes, you do. But it's because you want to get the message out there. Yeah, because you're doing those things. 
And, you know, you're putting yourself out there. You are like laying it out there. And that takes a lot. There's a lot of courage in doing that. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You have to be wrong. You yeah. have to be willing to be educated. You have to be willing to like stand up in front of rock stars and be like, hey, man, I don't know everything. What do you got to say? And let's get it all out there for the betterment of what we're doing. My man, these these podcasts like this to me is gold because like I got a front row seat and talk to some of the coolest people. And like I think my life is pretty boring and shitty. And and I listen to, you know, other people and I just like I'm like, I, I could do this all day. I mean, I literally could do this all day. Yeah. So it's because we love what we did. We do. We do. And I, and I want to, I, so I want to talk about that because the creation of the fast board back in 2015, right? You, you came up with the concept of the fast board and I do want to talk about it because I, I thoroughly believe that what you and your guys are doing are changing the game. And I think that we have a, a, an obligation to educate. Like you said, man, I wouldn't be here. I'm not sitting here pushing a product. I'm sitting here pushing a culture and a conversation and the education around that and what we need to do for our own and protecting our own. And I know that that is near and dear to what you guys teach and who you are. And so that's why it's important to me that we talk about this. And so Fast Rescue Solutions, founded in 2015, you created the Fast Board. It's, a, it's an interesting piece of equipment that has changed the game in firefighter removal. Yes. Where does that come from? Um, so... Uh, so we opened up the doors in 2015. Okay. But I, I worked on the design, uh, the functionality for about six years before we went to market. Wow. Um, wow. Um, okay. Uh, because I wasn't going to be an engineer or somebody who is pumping out a prop, uh, a product that I couldn't stand behind. And when, when I started designing it, I was just designing it for my guys. You know, being a special operations company, one of the first things that we're told is our job, our primary job, our most important job is firefighter rescue. Yes. You're going to do it. And, and they told us, you're going to do a bunch of cool shit. You're going to be trained on all of this stuff. You're going to, you know, rescue civilians and high angle and rope and trench and this and water. Your primary job, your most important job is firefighter rescue. And I really took that to heart. Um, when I got to be able to teach, I, that's one of the things that I taught. Um, when I started working on this, it had to be right. It had to encompass all the problems that we run into with rescuing anyone. But especially rescuing one of our own um, to understand that moving a unconscious, unresponsive body is a really hard thing to do. Yes. Uh, and to move it through an environment that is working against us on every front. We can't see, we can't breathe there. We have to be in heavy gear to be able to do our job. We are exhausted. We, you know, everything wants to grab a hold of us it, with snag hazards. Um, friction is anything that we rub against slows us down. Sure. So that's what I did. And I just 
took as many of these problems and broke them down to their base elements as much as I possibly could. Um, and once I did that, and I had something that was working and functional and looked good to me, I took it back to as many of my instructors as I could. As many of the guys that I were, that, that taught me on all these other disciplines. And I went to them and said, I'm not looking for a friend. I'm not looking for a confidant. I'm looking for somebody who's gonna kick me in the teeth. Yeah. Tell, tell me where I am wrong. Tell me where I've missed something because I don't need to be right. What I need to be is not wrong. So, and once I went back to the multiple of these instructors who worked with it, who looked at it, who gave me information on it, um, who said, you know, I can't take anything away from it. And I don't think I can add anything to it. That's when I started moving forward. That's when I went out and got my business partner who was, yeah. a, you know, a longtime friend. Um, that's when we opened up the company. If I can't, if those guys, if those guys who I stand on the shoulders of, that, that thousand tribe before me, that thousand member tribe before me, who have developed all of the knowledge before me, can't take anything away from it, can't add anything to it, then I was like, okay, we can move forward with this. Um, because, again, I didn't want it to be just me, you know. But like everything, I mean, like everything in your life, discipline. I mean, it's just six years. Discipline. Six years. Yeah. Six years yep. before you're comfortable putting it out to the masses, meaning the, all the, the back end was done, the, the culture was built out, the idea, the formulation, the actual implementation and build of, the, of, your, of your first prototype, but the, but the educational piece that goes with it, it's a program. It's not just a piece of equipment. It's a lifestyle. And all of those things have changed from day one. Sure. You know, all those things have, have grown. Uh, you know, you, you pull in great guys, you learn things from them. Um, you learn things just from learning. <clears throat> you know, when uh, you do it a thousand times, you're going to see something else. Yes. And that's the, that's the big thing for me is like, I never want to stop learning. I learned something today from one of, my students in special operations, he was teaching some stuff. I saw what he did. I was like, you just taught me something today. That's awesome. That's and cool. I, I, I loved it. I, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to expound on it enough today, and I, I will tomorrow. But the fact that it's growing, it's always growing. We should always be looking for people underneath us to teach us. Yeah. And that's and what. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that, that is the, uh, that should be the goal of a teacher. Yeah. How important students should outdo me. Yes. Yes. God. Yes. How important though, how important it was it for you growing up in the fire service to have a mentor that would give you an attaboy or that look or that wink or that smile or that, Hey, nice work today. Or, like, because here's here's a guy, one of your guys, whether he's junior to you, 
you're teaching. I mean, you're you're in a teaching position at this point in your career. And so you're you're molding and shaping a lot of guys that are on the line today. And you're probably teaching and molding and shaping the minds of guys that have been on the job for, for many years also. And so you're bringing a lot of value to them. And for you to, to be a humbled leader and to tell one of your... Uh, one of your guys that's junior to you, like, hey, man, thanks for teaching me that today. You know what you just did to that guy? Like, that, oh. that's, don't you, I'm, I, at least in my world, like, that's an attaboy, man. That is, and that, that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And those guys before me, yes. giving me that, that pat on the back, saying those things like, I can't take anything away from this. I can't add anything to it. Yeah. Um, those things were not only inspiring to me, but they were necessary for me to move forward. Do you yeah. struggle? Do you struggle I, with praise? Oh yeah, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I, I have people walk up to me at shows and you know, they're like, wow, this is an awesome piece of equipment. It's like a game changer. And like, and I'm like, uh, what? Uh, thank you. Yeah. And I like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a tough thing to take price for me. Do you, uh, do you turn that into your, that, that just helps fuels your passion? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's good now, if I can make it better, awesome. You know, um, because <clears throat> I mean, I don't do it for me. I do it because it's important. Um, I do it because it's important to the culture. And is it great that, I mean, I've had people walk up to me in grocery stores. I've had people walk up to me in airports <laughs> in other cities and be like, Oh, you're the fast guy. Yeah. And I'd be like, shit, man, you're talking to my girlfriend. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. It happens. It happens. Yeah. It happens. It, it happens. happens. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, that, that's the thing. I want it to be bigger than me. I don't want it to be only about me. I don't ever want it to be only about me or about me. I don't even want it to be about me because if it's actually doing better, then it's about the culture. If it's making us better, if it's making us safer, if it's making us more efficient, that's what I want. You know, I don't need my name attached to it. I get it. You know, we talked about it I before. Really don't. That yeah. makes sense to me. I mean, it's just, it's uh it's a hell of a story. I mean, what's so, what's next for you guys? I know you guys travel a ton. You're doing a ton of travel. You're doing a lot of conferences, right? You're getting your message out there. You're starting to, what, what I love is, is that the, the fast board is one thing, but you also have a program long before you even mentioned the fast board, right? So, uh, which has to do with like removals and packaging and things like that. No. Yeah, and actually, it's the other way around. Okay, I mean, we started out. We started out with the fast board, and teaching the fast board program, um, conferences, expos. They don't like product driven uh, programs, right? So I I went back and was like, okay, um, if that writ company's coming in, they're only coming in seven percent of the time. You know, a mayday's called, they're only getting involved in that rescue seven percent of the time, where the statistics are is that the interior firefighter is going to be the one who at least starts and starts facilitating the rescue of a down member. Um, so I went back and 
I took all that knowledge. I, uh, all the things that I've learned that I made up a bunch of new stuff. Uh, and then we came up with a, a firefighter rescue program, which is drags, carries, lifts, raises, all of these things with nothing else. But you also have to understand that if you're doing those things, there is a failure point. Yeah. If I start dragging somebody to, if I'm in a basement and I start maneuvering somebody through that environment and I get to the steps as a lone firefighter rescuing another firefighter, I'm probably not going to be able to get that firefighter up that flight of stairs. Right. So we have to have techniques to be able to do that. And hopefully, um, if we have better technology, the fast board, coming down to meet us in the middle at that failure point, then we can facilitate a faster rescue or a faster extrication for hopefully a rescue and not a line of duty. Um, mm. so, yeah, there's a, there's a whole program around that. And um, we've, I've taught it um, in the expos, you know, 15 or 20 times. It's been really well received. I've taught it in Philadelphia over a hundred times. Uh, there's a lot of new information out there. It's great. It's awesome. Um, keep pushing, brother, because I, I know I've seen it firsthand. I've witnessed it. I've watched. I've I have not taken. I I, I want to take it. This is my problem. I never get a chance to take these classes. Right? I attend them. I'm there. I'm floating in and out. I'm doing what I do. But I never get a chance to sit and digest and actually get hands-on with so many of these programs. And I'm surrounded by some of the best training in the world, and I don't get a chance to do it myself. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'll tell you right now, man. Set it up in your, your firehouse. I'll come up and teach the program. Let's do it. I'll make it happen. Yeah, 100%. All right. Cool. I love that, man. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll certainly get something set up. So that's good. Thank you. That's awesome. So where do we want to go from here? What do you got? Hey man, uh, coming at me with one I or I have no idea. <laughs> ah, I got you now. Now, listen, man, I, um, I appreciate you. Um, and I, I really do. And I, I really appreciate the first like half hour of this conversation tonight. Cause you talked about some things that I'm sure wasn't easy to talk about. And, uh, or, or, you know, it, when you first started putting yourself out there, but I think you being able to put yourself out there and, and, educating people about where you came from and your roots really paints a picture of where you are today and why you are where you are. And, um, I value you as a friend. I value you on a business conversation. You and I've talked business. We've talked friendship. We've talked firefighting, uh, and everything in between. And, um, you know, I just, I always appreciate seeing you and I, I value you and your opinion and, uh, and what you guys do. And, um, so I'm thankful for that. And thank you for taking an hour and a half out of your day today to, uh, to chat, man. It's always good to catch up and, and tell some, tell some stories and talk about some stuff. Well, I, thank you. And, you know, <laughs> I, I want to say thank you, full stop, period, all that. And, <laughs> and then right behind that, Hey man, I really appreciate you too. Yeah, I, thank I you. See, I see, I see the work that you're doing. I see how important it is to you. It's not just a a business. It's not just a a podcast. You're doing it because it's important to you. Because you've got history inside the fire service, and uh, and it's a, it's a different medium, and and we need that. We need to get the narrative out there. We need to be able to 
you know, let people know that we're moving forward in the fire service and the best way to move forward is to move forward together. Somebody's somebody's got to scream how good it is. Because ultimately, ultimately we focus way too much on the negative. And in fact, I think the positive is, is outweighing the negative and we just don't talk about it enough. Like everything. It's always easier to talk about the bad and not the good. And the good is there. And if, if doing a, an hour and a half show with you today could, could put a smile on somebody's face tomorrow when we posted or what have you, then I did my job. And, uh, and, and I couldn't implore more people to do that. And I was going to say to you off air, but I'll do it right now. You need to get your ass into a podcast and you need to do like a weekly podcast because I think that, <laughs> no, I mean that I, I and, and it could be as, it could be as simple as what we just did today. And it, and it could be, you can talk about anything, but I think you have such a message and such a story. And I think it would be so good for, uh, for you to put yourself out there like that because it would be a challenge. And I think it would be so good for you and your brand and your, and, and fast and the mission, the mission of saving our own and protecting our own. And uh, well, I think you have so much to offer, brother. So I encourage you to look at that and go after it. And I would love to help you with it. I think, I think you would crush. I appreciate it, brother. I mean, uh, I, I agree with you. We always be pushing <laughs> ourselves towards our uncomfortable limits. That's right. That's right. So, it's definitely an uncomfortable limit right there. So Yeah, I love I appreciate it. it That's I did it on purpose, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, don't go anywhere. Stay on for a minute. I'm just gonna close this out and then uh and then I'll bounce right back. So hang on one sec. But uh everyone thanks right, for brother, love you. Yeah, I love you, man. Truly. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of National Fire Radio on the audio platform. Uh you know what? Share. Share these episodes with people that you think could get into it. Uh, like-minded people talk about the job because man, when we talk about the job, we make the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Eric, thank you, brother. Appreciate you and appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens and shares our content. Give it a like, leave a comment, catch you later. Stay in love with the job. Have a good night. Jeremy national fire radio.